Okay, good morning, everyone. I think we're going to go ahead and get started. It's a, a few minutes after time, so. Again, thank you for joining us for this session. I know it's Sunday, last day of conference, so we really appreciate a full room here today. Um, I'm Suzanne Sluka, and I'm with USDA NIFA, and I have the opportunity um, to moderate uh, today's conversation with our USDA colleagues, and they're sitting at the front table here so they can better see you and you can better see them. So, <laughs> so we'll do introductions here in a little bit. So those, a few, I'm seeing familiar faces. Uh, maybe quite a few of you were able to participate in our USDA open house or um, other various activities. So this was just part of the list of, of things taking place here at, at SNEB on the screen. And I really, truly hope that you had the opportunity um, to learn more about all the tremendous assets um, my staff and then these wonderful colleagues uh, that are in the room have to offer all of you as we continue to elevate uh, nutrition educators, research, policy, and practice. And so, as I said, again, a key asset is our staff, and so we've been trying to get around to room to room um, throughout to meet all of you, and they truly are your advocates uh, for uh, not only nutrition education, but food and nutrition security as well. And so please, please take the opportunity to, to come and, and to meet us. And so today's session is kind of in some ways wrapping up or tying, um, maybe you missed other sessions and you wish you had been in attendance or you wanted to hear a little bit more about something else or get that, that, that piece. So we're gonna still give you little snapshots, um, but we are gonna dive into some of the programs that perhaps were not on this list um, or again, pulling out maybe some relevant questions or items that we heard throughout the events as well. Um, and again, we just convened my staff at the National Gusnip convening in June here um, in Arlington. And what I walked away with, and I guess our theme that we took away, is that federal employees are humans too, so do not be afraid to um, talk to us. And that's, that's, we want to talk to you. Our doors are open, our remote um, Zoom doors are open to you, our chat boxes, our emails, so, so please reach out. Um, and ask us questions, and, and we want to know, um, we're attending your sessions so that we know what we can do to do better for you and to help you. So I'm gonna start out, um, I have the pleasure of talking to you a little bit more about the National Institute of Food and Agriculture, or NIFA for short. And um, if you've not heard before, we have more than 80 staff at our agency um, that are really helping us to leverage all of our assets to contribute to our department-wide effort to advance food and nutrition security. And why this slide is so important, no, you probably can't read all those names, but it's important to showcase that it's not just in my Institute of Food Safety and Nutrition, but we've got budget staff, we've got um, awards management, we've got policy. So we've got everyone across NIFA working together on food and nutrition security, and I think that's so important and also shows you that they're passionate about those efforts as well to improve nutrition and physical activity and reduce chronic um, diet-related disease and disparities. And I cannot say how proud I am of my team. Um, they won our Research Education and Economics Mission Area uh, Team Award uh, for this work as well. So we are really proud to lift that up. 
But I also see many of our land-grant university colleagues here in the room. And so you all, um, along with our other stakeholders, are definitely one of our major assets. And so we thank you for being here today. And um, we just show this wonderful network that we have um, working with at NIFA is, is the land-grant university system. So thank you. Okay, well here we're gonna start to really dive into this session today and to get us started, I have the pleasure of introducing a couple of my staff members who are gonna provide you with uh, nutrition education relevant highlights from three different areas at NIFA that we didn't necessarily have an extension session at um, previous to today. And so there's some more nutrition and food systems relevant investments. Um, we are going to talk again and lift up our new interagency agreement with Food and Nutrition Service on our National Workforce Strategy for WIC and talk a little bit more and plug a little bit more for the Gus Schumacher Nutrition Incentive Program or GUSNIM. And then after my staff, um, we're going to invite up our Food and Nutrition um, Service colleagues um, and they're going to talk to you uh, first. Sheldon Gordon is going to talk about team nutrition. Then his child nutrition program colleague, Julie Brewer, is going to provide updates uh, from the Office of Community and Food Systems on farm to school efforts. And then Dr. Cavillo Buffington is going to provide updates from, from SNAP-Ed. And then Jackie, too. She snuck in. She was, I was like, where did Jackie go? And Jackie's going to provide an update on the Center for Nutrition Policy and, and Promotion. So. Um, then after they present to you, we're going to do a little bit of a round table, but most importantly, you might have attended so that you could ask questions, and so we are definitely going to reserve time for you to have a Q&A session uh, with us as well, because we, again, want to, to answer those questions. So be thinking about those and know that there will be an opportunity. So I think I'm going to ask Dr. Kami to come up and kick us off and um, give her overview of a few um, few projects you might not have heard about. So thank you. And let me advance the slide. Here we go. Thank you, Suzanne. And good afternoon, everybody. Uh, my name is Lydia Kame. I'm a national program leader with um, the Institute of Food Safety and Nutrition in the Nutrition Division at NIFA. And um, so the slide you see in front of you has quite a number of programs in the AFRI, we call the Agriculture and Food Research Initiative program. And here's what I would love for you to do. The reason we pick, uh, these particular programs are picked out is, is they are, you are the target audience for them. So they include an education piece, an extension piece, so they have some integrated, they, are in, they require an integrated approach. So I would not um, be able to run through each one of these programs for you, but please look at them, take a, uh, snap a picture. The plant breeding for agriculture production, uh, we are a liaison for that program because it does uh, talk about um, nutrients and, and, and how we can improve nutrition through plant breeding. The Food and Human Health, A1343, is about uh, food health and gut health. Um, human health and gut health, sorry. And the USDA Climate Hub Partnership invites both uh, an extension, um, extension projects as well as research and, and ex 
research and extension projects. So, um, and then the sustainable ag systems, A9201, this program, I, I wanted to give a little bit about this one. This program promotes sustainable supply of abundant, affordable, safe, and nutritious, accessible uh, food and agricultural products while enhancing economic opportunities and improving the long-term health and well-being of Americans. It has three priorities. One of those priorities is pertinent to you because it's about nutrition security. It is a, a huge grant program. Um, the average amount for this award is usually about 10 million. And we bring it up to you because it needs a lot of planning, a lot of the interdisciplinary work ahead of putting out that LOI to the intent to apply. And although right now for 2023, this is no longer open because it's closed early July, it is about time to kind of start thinking about it. Look it up, see if you have the right partnerships to do this work. Our nutrition division, as well as IFSN generally, because it also talks about food safety, not only just nutrition, but food safety as well, um, did a lot of work to have this goal included in this program. So please respond <laughs> so that it does not seem like, oh, there isn't need for it, right? So uh, if you cannot apply for that program, share it with other colleagues who you think it would be a good program for, because it, um, it is how we are going to be able to tackle nutrition security. We need a huge investment and a lot of partnerships. So thank you. Uh, for that, then I'm going to really quickly talk about the rapid response and extreme weather events across food and uh, agriculture systems, which is an A1712 program. Uh, so we know that these extreme weather systems are actually af affecting nutrition uh, security because of food access and all the, the you know, the barriers that come with extreme weather conditions. So there is also a priority area there. Please look up that program, uh, especially after an extreme weather. And they process these awards really fast for those that are qualified. Then the food and knowledge of plant products is one of those that we also are a liaison for. Um, Novo Foods and Innovative Manufacturing Technologies, A1364, um, that is uh, Dr. Honda Chen's program. Please look it up. And then I have put on your, on, we have put on your tables, and if you don't have one, it's somewhere around the table. There's the Center for Research, Behavioral Economics, and Extension on Food Loss and Waste. It's a new program, A1741. Please look it up. And um, we have so many others in there that I'm not going to be able to get through. But all these programs, um, are, are pertinent to you, you, are, you can apply to these programs. The Food Loss and Waste Program particularly um, is um, open and it, it still does require a great amount of partnerships. It, it has um, aspects of, did I carry it with me? Did not, okay. Uh, aspects of um, innovation, uh, 
innovative approaches to reducing food loss and waste across the food system. Um, we hope you will partner up with um, others to, to look into it and be part of solving this huge problem that we have in the country. Then the other thing I would like to actually um, ask uh, of you is to go look into our NIFA upcoming RFA calendar. If you just Google that, you will see which RFAs are coming through. You, you might be interested in some of the ones that we have not put in here or the non-competitive ones that could be coming up as well. So then we also have our NIFA grant resource which walk you through if you've never applied for a NIFA grant for within five sessions from the beginning of the application to the end of how you do an application. Please resource that. They took a lot of time to put it through, including showing you how the NIFA panel uh, operates. So I wanted to lift that up. Thank you. Thank you, Lydia, and I just want to lift her up that she's really um, becoming in our Institute of Food Safety and Nutrition, our food loss and waste um, expert and leader, So, and it is a new area. So if you need something on that, see Lydia. So great. Okay, our next national program leader um, is Dr. Pascal Jean. Um, so welcome um, you to the podium. Morning again, hope everybody's doing well. Last day, fun day, right? <laughs> Thank you. All right, so today I'm gonna to talk a little bit about the weight modernization. If you did attend the session on, at the USDA on Friday and my session yesterday, sorry, just a little reminder about the program. So <clears throat> USDA is investing in the WIC program and the Farmers Market Nutrition Program to reach more eligible families to keep families in WIC until they're no longer eligible, and to encourage families to redeem more of their foods benefits and advance equity. Uh, along with our partners at FNS, NIFA, we are collaborating to develop a national workforce strategy for this WIC program to help shape the integration of diversity, um, equity, inclusion, and accessibility principle across a broader nutrition service workforce. The WIC Workforce Development is a multi-year initiative which will increase cultural represent representation of the WIC workforce, WIC program participation among eligible participation population, and WIC participants' self-efficacy by providing cultural responsive care. As part of this initiative, an RFA was released earlier this year, and it focused on the National WIC Workforce Strategy, which was to aim to strengthen the diversity and cultural competency of the WIC workforce with the goal of increasing WIC participation to reaching those populations that are eligible and not enrolled in the WIC program, and likelihood of adaptation of the nutrition program, education, and breastfeeding support. Um, the announcement will be made very soon regarding this um, award. As you guys know, at the federal government, we kind of move on the snail pace, so more information to come with that. But the strategy is a five-year strategy, and our goal is to connect with the community, with our partners, all different um, healthcare professionals, and make sure that we are moving forward. Um, more information to come. This is an ongoing project, and we definitely um, look forward to incorporating your feedback and everything. 
So I just wanted to kind of highlight this. There's lots of information, as Dr. Kwame mentioned, on our website regarding the program. Um, please continue to look as we have additional information coming up regarding the next steps. And that's it about WIC. Thank you. Thanks, Pascal. We were lucky to get her back at NIFA. She was with FNS, so um, uh, we're really excited to have her back with us. Um, I am now going to bring up Mr. Ryan Cornegay. He is a program specialist in the Institute of Food Safety and Nutrition, and he's like our the nutrition program specialist. So you might see Ryan on a lot of programs, and so we really appreciate his work. So Ryan. Thank you, Dr. Sluka. I'm going to start off with a crazy question, or I'll, I'll, I'll say it's crazy. Who has never heard of the Gus Schumacher Nutrition Center Program, or GUSNIP? Okay, great. So some people have not heard of it. Perfect. So I'm going to tell you about it really quick. Uh, so GUSNIP has three uh, program areas. First are, is Nutrition Center Center Programs, and then we have our Produce Prescription Programs. And lastly, we have what we call our Nutrition uh, Technical Assistance Evaluation Center, uh, which is right now held by the Gretchen Swanson Center and Fair Fruit Network under the, the uh, Nutrition Incentive Hub. So you will see a QR code here, and this is actually will give you access to the year three findings from our uh, Nutrition Incentive Hub. So the Nutrition Incentive Hub, the great thing about GUSNIP, if you get a GUSNIP grant, you are not alone because these individuals help you throughout the life of your project. They help you with all technical assistance, all data collection, uh, making sure that things are going correctly. They help you with IRB if you need help with that. And they put together this great report at the end of each year to make sure we're able to lift up the great work that you all are doing. And so I'm going to share a few things from here, but you all can go to this uh, link and read all about it as much as you want to. But I'm going to share just a few highlights uh, about GUSNIP. And then I want to also share uh, that GUSNIP is a part of what we like to call in IFSN our community nutrition programs. And those con uh, consist of GUSNIP as well as our community foods project program and our food and agriculture service learning program, our FASLA. Uh, and I'll share a little bit about that at the end if we have some time. Uh, so just to kind of share with you a, a few tidbits from the year three findings about GUSNIP, uh, grantees spent a total of $41.8 million of federal grant funds uh, and $17.4 million uh, by the GUS CRR, which, were the, which was our COVID release and response uh, GUSnet funds that were able to go out through ARPA dollars. 73% of federal funds were distributed as incentives for fruits and vegetables to people with low income living in the U.S. Uh, this proportion was similar to year two and higher than year one. Uh, also, I'd like to share on average, nutrition incentive sites were in communities where 14.1% of the population earned an income below the federal poverty level, and produce prescription sites were in communities where 14.8% of the population earned an income below the federal poverty level. I'm going to share probably my some of my favorite portions now, and, this, uh, and specifically for the nutrition incentive program, nutrition incentive projects through approaches that typically reach more people with less intensive intervention, reached an estimated average of 146,146 participants monthly, not just annually, but monthly. Uh, and then for produce prescription projects, they typically reach uh, around uh, 
more than, excuse me, enroll, they enroll individuals at an average of about 1,986 participants monthly. So that is a big reach for what we're able to do across GUSNIP. You also see on the year three finance a map of all of the different projects across our GUSNIP um, portfolio. And we have a lot of work that's being done. There are some states that have multiple uh, produce prescription as well as nutrition incentive programs. And this is really helping to feed and combat the issue of nutrition uh, insecurity. Um, so I did want to share this about Gusson. So you can find all the information here. We uh, are getting ready to gear up for RFA development for FY24. Uh, so please, if you will, just kind of keep an eye out for that. Uh, keep an eye out for the RFA as it gets ready to come out at some point. I cannot share a date right now, uh, but it will come out at some point, uh, probably uh, within the next few months. And there you'll be able to try to see what types of things we're looking out for this year. But I encourage you to look at the RFA from last year. Um, you will also, uh, I also want to share just a, a tidbit about the Food and Agriculture Service Learning Program as well. Uh, this is a program that's focused on being able to enhance the farm to school pipeline, a lot of connections to what's been done in team nutrition uh, projects as well. And it really is a great connection if you work with youth, if you work in extension or 4-H, this program really allows you to be able to uh, up to have up to two years of funds to be able to do work around community-based issues, specifically with youth, uh, connecting with farmers, connecting with teachers, connecting with schools, and being able to enhance that pipeline, uh, as well as the community foods projects, which you all may have heard about in an earlier session this week, uh, and it does literally that. It's community-based food projects. And so if you are interested in any of that type of work, which really encompasses nutrition as a whole, uh, I encourage you to look at our programs at IFSN. Again, as I said, our community uh, based uh, programs, GUSNIP, Community Foods Projects, and Food and Agriculture Service Le Learning Program, FASLIP. And each of these are probably going to have RFAs going out within the next few months. Uh, so I'm going to stop there, but thank you all so much. One thing that we did, so Lydia mentioned the RFA calendar, we have tried to project out an anticipated month um, that you might see those RFAs coming out, which is kind of a new feature. So if you're like, oh, I don't know if that was really helpful, there are new features on there if you haven't been there in a while. So, so please do uh, check that out. We try to stay as close as possible. So thanks, Ryan. Thanks, uh, Lydia, for mentioning that. And I would be remiss, um, I don't think we've been able to give a shout out yet, but we are missing our national program leader, Dr. Mallory. Canings because she's home with the beautiful baby boy so that he I think he's about three four months now so yes uh, and so I just wanted to give a shout out to her otherwise she would be here lifting up, up these programs as well Okay, now it's my pleasure uh, to turn it over to our Food and Nutrition Service colleagues. And yes, we do work together very closely. And that is why we are doing the session today um, together as well. So the first uh, speaker is Mr. Sheldon Gordon. So thank you. Good morning, everybody. Um, so I'm Sheldon Gordon. I'm the Director for Nutrition, Education, Training, and Technical Assistance Division in Child Nutrition Programs, otherwise known as the home of Team Nutrition. That's easier to say. <laughs> so in FNS, uh, we have 16 programs. Um, in Child Nutrition Programs, we have actually eight of those programs, um, which is the National School Lunch Program, School Breakfast Programs. Um, you'll actually hear about the Patrick Leahy Farm to School Program, which Julie Brewer will talk about a little bit later. The initiative of Team Nutrition is to basically help develop 
nutrition education resources for to help children and make a healthy food, understand foods and physical activity and how the importance of that is in the lifestyle. Um, we also provide training and technical assistance as well as provide technical uh, resources as well. Our main thing with Team Nutrition is that we try to take the, act the, the policies and the regulations and turn them into actionable things that program operators can use. So whether it's in the meal programs to help put the foods on the table or to help educate um, the parents for their children, that's pretty much where Team Nutrition comes into play. We get the fun part. <laughs> We have a plethora of different resources that are available for menu planning as well as promoting nutrition. And so um, we have our food buying guide, which as many of you know, if you work with child nutrition programs, um, there's a meal pattern requirement. And so the food buying guide is one of those tools that helps them to understand how much foods to purchase as well as the right amounts to serve so that they can get paid for their reimbursable meal. Um, we were the first in FNS, I want to toot our own horn for this, to uh, have the first mobile app and Sonia Barnes, who's in the back, was the leader during that time. So just want to give a shout out for that. <laughs> um, also, um, with our nutrition education materials that we have available, we do stuff again for that's in the classroom, as well as things for students. So you'll see that we have how school lunch is made, and that's a 12-page article that goes to students, and they're able to understand from the federal level all the way down to the local level, how a school lunch is made, and then also how they can also be involved in their schools to be more you know, involved in how that process works as well. And of course, we do the same thing for child and our child and adult care food program as well. So um, just again, some of the things that we have, just like the, the food buying guide, we also have the child and adult uh, crediting handbook, which goes to those program operators to help them manipulate and get through the system in terms of how to offer the most healthiest foods on, the, on their menu. Um, we also have things for, our, again, for nutrition education components. We have a Team Nutrition Cooks, which is like a series of videos, and it really helps to show you how to make those meals, and it's a fun take-home thing that folks can also do at home. We also have Discover My Plate, which obviously we work with the My Plate folks over here, Jackie Haven, the I guess they're calling you the mother of my plate. <laughs> and so we have those things as well. And it's a really cute thing to have for a lot of our younger folks to help them get involved and understand that food just, just magically appear in a grocery store. Uh, we work very hard to provide uh, USDA standardized recipes, and so we do host these recipes on our website as well as at the Institute of Child Nutrition. Uh, they have our, our whole website which is called the Child Nutrition Recipe Box, I believe I got the name right, um, <laughs> which they host a lot of our recipes that are again standardized, they have been tested and kid approved, so we try to make sure that when we do do these recipes that they are something that kids in fact will eat and actually do credit towards the meal patterns as well. Uh, one of our big initiatives that we just started off this past year in late 2022 is the Healthy Meals Incentives Initiative. And so this is for us to, for USDA or FNS to, to provide direct support to school food authorities and helping them to change the nutritional quality of their school meals. And so we're really um, excited about this project. Uh, we, were, we received $100 million for this, and so we have a number of cooperators that are working with us on this, which is the Chef Ann Foundation, Full Plates Full, Potential, I'm probably gonna mess up some names. Um, Boise State University, um, 
yeah, I probably should stop there. I probably don't remember them all. <laughs> I don't want to do anybody injustice. But um, we are, you know, the first part of it, we have our, our grants for small and rural schools, and that is to really help them, again, the folks that need, are experiencing ch some challenges in meeting our meal pattern requirements. Um, the next phase of that, or the next component of that, is our recognition awards. And that is to really try to recognize, again, those that are going above and beyond um, from meeting the meal, the meal patterns as is. And so we're gonna put those folks together in a summit um, at the very end, but we also have another component, which is our school food systems transformation. And in that, we're working with the school food authorities and with the food industry and really trying to find some innovative ways to come up with new products, new procurement ways, just ways to start thinking forward and how we can make a more sustainable and accessible school food system. And then, like I said, at the last part of this, we'll have a healthy summit. Uh, we're actually going to do one in fiscal year 2024 and then one in 2025, where we're going to bring together all of these folks and really share their best practices, the innovative things that they've come up with, um, just so that we can make sure that that is sustained going into the future. Um, we have a lot of information that I, don't, I wasn't able to cover on today, but I do want to just talk about two other things really quickly. Um, we do, many of you I think in here might be some recipients of our team nutrition training grants, um, and that is something that we do every year. I think this past year we um, awarded $10 million in that, and so we're really looking forward to seeing the outcomes of what those um, grantees will come up with. I know I saw a few of our poster sessions here, so really great stuff from what was already going on. Um, we are also doing a lot more work in the indigenous community, and so we're working very hard to try to promote more foods that um, can be used in the, in the school meal system. And so um, you'll see more of that coming on our website. Um, so to keep up with us, uh, you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, we do have our own webpage, so please check us out uh, for a lot more information. We also have a newsletter, so you can also follow us um, with that as well. Thank you. Thank you, Sheldon. And your awardees this morning at the 8 a.m. Um, session just did a fabulous job, too. So a uh, huge shout out to them. Okay, next we have Julie uh, Brewer. Hi, everyone. Good morning. Thank you for being here um, on a Sunday afternoon at lunchtime. You may want to stand in the back, but I welcome you to join us at the front table. If you do want a seat, there's plenty of room up here. Um, I'm so happy to be here today. Um, as was mentioned, I'm Julie Brewer. I'm the director of the Community Food Systems Division. Um, and a, a variation on a theme, that means I, I lead the farm to school program. Um, so we have these fancy names and really simple. So I am here to uh, share with you a little bit about USDA's Patrick Leahy Farm to School Program. So broadly, um, from our perspective, farm to school encompasses a variety of activities aimed at kind of basically two things getting more locally grown, raised, caught uh, foods on the plate in the child nutrition programs, and teaching kids where their food comes from and why that's important. Um, we in the Patrick Leahy Farm to School program at USDA do this work to support all of the child nutrition programs that, that have already been mentioned, the Sheldon mentioned, like school lunch, school breakfast, um, CACFP summer. So not just schools, but all child nutrition programs. 
We think farm to school can happen at all meals, breakfast, lunch, snacks, suppers. We think farm to school can happen across the plate or across the tray. It's not just fruits and vegetables, locally grown um, and raised um, protein products as well as dairy and grains are part of farm to school as well. And we think farm to school can happen across the campus. So not just in the cafeteria, not just in the school garden, but also in the classroom and family event um, and community activities as well. So we know from our experience that farm to school programs strengthen children's and communities knowledge about and attitudes toward agriculture, food, nutrition, and the environment. They increase, farm to school increases children's consumption of fruits and vegetables, increases market and stabilizes market opportunities for farmers, fishers, ranchers, food processors, and food manufacturers, and supports economic development across all of those sectors. So the team that I lead, um, our role is to support you and all of our stakeholders in their implementation of Farm to School. We do this in three primary ways. Um, first, we uh, provide grant funding to um, state agencies, school districts, um, community-based organizations, and producers to engage in Farm to School. And we just announced our 2023 awards on Friday, um, where we awarded 103 grants to, uh, or, and about $10 million in funding for 2023. We have grant, um, grant uh, opportunities every year. Um, we typically open competition in October, it's Farm to School Month, um, and we typically award in July, so that's our cycle, so keep an eye out for the next RFA. We also um, provide training and technical assistance to a variety of stakeholders, either directly through resources and fact sheets and toolkits on our website. Um, I also have a team of folks who are out in the field Literally, they are across the country in the seven FNS regions, and they provide direct technical assistance to people conducting farm to school in their assigned states. And we also work with a lot of stakeholder partners um, through cooperative agreements to provide additional technical assistance. And then our final um, area of work is through research, and this is primarily through our periodic census, farm to school census. So we survey every school food authority in the country to measure the depth and breadth of their farm to school activity. Um, our last census was completed in 2019, and it shows that farm to school is the norm um, now, um, or was uh, then, and uh, with about 65% of school food authorities engaging in farm to school and a similar number of them providing local foods on their trays. So it's a very exciting time to be part of Farm to School. We will be conducting our next census this fall, 2023, um, measuring Farm to School activity in the previous school year, so 22-23. Um, I think um, our colleagues came, my colleagues came earlier this week and shared a session more in depth about farm to school resources and information and lots of um, best practices and, and examples and success stories. I'm going to share just one. Again, um, oh, I got really close. I'm sorry. 
Oh, no, that's not me. Okay. <laughs> um, just one in particular that I'd like to highlight, um, again, just kind of uh, playing off of Sheldon's com uh, discussion about supporting um, indigenous foods in the, in the school meal programs. We work with many tribal nations and tribal organizations to support their efforts in food sovereignty to also teach their kids about their food traditions and food ways. And, and, um, the importance of those. Um, so one example that I'd like to share is the Intertribal Buffalo Council. Um, it's a great example of how our Farm to School grant program brings both farm and school and equity to the table. Um, through a USDA Farm to School grant, the council designed a way to assist schools on Indian reservations in South Dakota in increasing access to local and regional foods, including bison. The, through the grant, the children learned how to traditionally, traditionally harvest and process bison and beaver, um, preparing those foods and taste testing them. They built relationships with local farmers and learned about growing traditional foods in their own school gardens. So that's um, one, one best practice, one highlight that we like to lift up. If you want a plethora of best practices in your inbox every month or all of the funding resources that are coming out and available or other technical assistance materials, I encourage you to sign up for our monthly e-newsletter, The Dirt. Um, it has everything you'd want to know that month about Farm to School. And it's, it's a great resource for folks who are in this work. And that's all I have. I look forward to any questions and conversation we have. Thanks, Julie. I don't think we can say it enough. Farm to school at all meals. Because I, 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 I know myself, I don't you know, tend to think breakfast and some of those. So that's great takeaway, great message. So appreciate you sharing. Well, now this has, definitely has a place in my heart as well, so I'm, I'm just so pleased to introduce to you Dr. Aurora Buffington, who is going to now provide you with the update on SNAP-Ed. So. Yeah, hello everybody. It's so good to see you and to be here today in DC. Um, it's kind of warm here, but it's a lot warmer in Las Vegas, so it's okay. We're gonna make it. Um, and I want to, uh, let me introduce myself a little bit more. I'm the branch chief of the new nutrition education branch in SNAP. And uh, you all may be very familiar with the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, which is our nation's most important anti-hunger program, um, you know, that uh, makes it possible for people with low income to uh, purchase adequately um, nutritious uh, foods every month. And you guys all probably know the goal of SNAP-Ed as well, right? Which is um, to help people with limited resources make healthy food choices and lead physically active lifestyles. And because I love physical activity so much, I would like to just encourage all of you to please stand up for a minute and stretch your legs. <laughs> stretch those legs. Um, and. And while you're here, you're gonna also help me figure out something. And um, now I would encourage you that you've gotten to stretch your legs a little bit. Um, if you are pretty confident that you know SNAP-Ed like inside and out, please have a seat. Because I'm just trying to figure out how much detail I should go into on my next slide. Okay, so if you're pretty confident that you know SNAP-Ed inside and out, all right, so we, we've got about a 50-50 mix, so please feel free to have a seat now. Um, I think I've figured out um, our room here today, so that's great. 
Okay, so I'm going to advance. So I have a poster. <laughs> Since I didn't get to do a real poster, um, I've got my poster here. And so there's, this is going to tell you a little bit about our SNAP-Ed uh, program. So SNAP Education, again, it is the, um, the nutrition education and health promotion component of SNAP. And um, not only do we, uh, you know, reach people with limited resources, um, the other people that are involved in this program are the people doing program administration. So at the Food and Nutrition Service, you have our national office staff, that includes myself, and a team of public health nutritionists, and very important, our SNAP-Ed regional coordinators, who are across seven um, uh, regions, and we have some of the staff here today, um, but uh, let me see if we can get them to stand up right now. So all our regional coordinators, would you guys please just stand up? Don't give me that look. She's like, ah. So we had, all right, Southeast, Rachel. Okay. And we have some other staff, like Evan, I see you. He's from Western Region. He's not a coordinator, but he's a very integral part. He's a branch chief over there, new. So, so we have staff from the regions here as well. So um, when you see them out in the hallways for the rest of the conference, be sure to you know, say hey and ask them any questions. Um, you know, we administer SNAP education in all 50 states, as well as the District of Columbia and Guam. And um, we do it because we want to strengthen SNAP's public health impact. And um, so we do this by, um, you know, addressing food and nutrition security. And um, also, we are trying to reduce um, chronic disease, which you know, over half of the nation's adult population has one, at least one chronic disease. So uh, we have a big job. And um, we are doing this by delivering direct education which you guys are all very familiar with, the typical nutrition education that you give um, in classrooms or you know, in group sessions. But we're also using social marketing, and we are also doing what's known as policy systems and environmental change. You guys have heard this all the time, PSEs, but I wanna avoid the jargony stuff and just say we are just trying to create healthier environments where people can perform, right, their, their healthy behaviors. And so we do this in person, we do this virtually through, or online, and we also accomplish it through those changes in the communities that our implementers are serving to make the healthy choice the easy choice. You guys have heard that, right? So um, we do this also by allocating funds. The Food and Nutrition Service allocates funds to all the states annually. And then the state agency uh, does a comprehensive needs assessment to determine the priority audience and the needs of that audience. And um, also has uh, worked with implementing agency partners who are our boots on the ground and are delivering that very crucial nutrition education in the community. They know the community, so they are doing the job. And um, yeah, and they also do annual reporting and submit annual plans to the Food and Nutrition Service. So um, that's a little bit about how it works. Um, let me introduce you to the team. This is our new nutrition education branch at the national office. Uh, you can see on the very left is Brittany. Brittany is here. She may not be in the session right now, but if you see her, you know, make sure that you pull her aside. And Doris Chen, Doris, I know you're here. Yeah? All right, there's Doris. 
And Doris Chen is here as well. Um, this is a great team, along with our uh, regions. We, um, you know, we share a, a set of diverse experiences at different levels of SNAP-Ed implementation and administration. We have a lot of experience. And we share a strong public health focus. Um, so, you know, this is an investment that has been made to help move our SNAP-Ed program forward for decades to come. And um, I'm very proud of this team and our regional um, team as well. And then finally, you know, not only is this investment helping us do uh, better for the program, it's also helping us increase our collaboration with our partner organizations. So this is some of the ways that you can get involved. You may already be implementing SNAP-Ed, you may already be a partner, but if you're not, then this is a great way for you to get there. Um, so one of the ways you can do is to connect with your state's SNAP-Ed coordinator and um, you can learn about your state SNAP-Ed plan. So figure out what's going on in your state. You can ask questions, don't be shy. Ask some questions and look for opportunities to collaborate because there will be plenty of, um, of that. We, we run on collaboration and partnerships on SNAP-Ed, so it's really important. And um, I wanna give a plug for our uh, SNAP-Ed Connection, which is our website that has lots of fantastic resources, including My Plate Kitchen recipes, which are there, and they're lovely. And um, we have Spanish and English resources as well. Lots of excellent resources. But one of them that I want to bring to your attention is the state profile page. So you're probably wondering, I don't know who my state SNAP-Ed coordinator is. Well, this is a way you can figure it out. You know, visit the page. There's Nevada up there for you because I, I'm from the great state of Nevada. And yeah, we have some Nevadans here today. Um, so explore your state profile page, learn who your coordinator is, learn more about your state plan. Um, and uh, there's a lot of other resources that you can explore while you're there. And if you have any questions, you want to get a hold of us, one of the easiest ways is to send an email to snap ed um, at usda.gov. So that is it for me. All right. Thank you, Aurora. I love the tagline. We run on collaboration and partnerships. I think that could be all of USDA's. So, so great tagline. Okay, um, so now, um, I don't know if I use your <laughs> nickname or not, but do welcome to the to podium, uh, Jackie Haven, who's gonna talk to us on CNPP. So. Good afternoon, everyone. It's really exciting to be here. I just wanna say I'm an SNEV, a proud SNEV member, and I'm just thrilled to be here. What you do every day is amazing, so really happy to see you all. I have no slides, but I'm gonna visually walk you through what we do at CMPP. So CMPP, the Center for Nutrition Policy and Promotion, we are part of the Department of Agriculture's Food and Nutrition Services Center for Nutrition Policy and Promotion, CMPP, that's a lot of words. Anyway, we have some major projects that you all are familiar with, I'm sure. Uh, we do the Healthy Eating Index, which is uh, exciting. We do the food plans, which are the basis uh, for the SNAP allotment. 
Uh, we do the dietary guidelines for Americans, and of course you all know that those sets federal policy. I do just want to make a few comments about those today. We're really excited. We are in the throes, as you know, of the committee. We have our committee, and uh, we just announced the third meeting for September 12th, and we're going to have oral comments uh, that will open up on, in August, August 10th. So if anyone is interested in providing comments, that, that's the schedule there. And I just have to say the guidelines this is my, not only did I apparently birth the my plate, <laughs> but I've been, I, I think this is my eighth guidelines. So it's really exciting to see the growth uh, of the guidelines and how they've changed and more. Yet, as we know, the science base is, is strong and really the advice hasn't changed over the years very much at all, but the science base has and I'm very proud of that. But this time, I'm really excited that one of the focuses is um, health, uh, health inequities, uh, diversity, and we've got a phenomenal panel, and they're really, uh, I can't wait to see what happens. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not on the panel because it's a lot of work, but they're doing a great job, and so I encourage you to go to dietaryguidelines.gov, and you can see, you can listen to the meetings, you can sign up for the next meeting. Uh, everything's online, everything is open and transparent, and we also have the Nutrition Evidence Systematic Review Team that supports the committee, and they have their own website, nesser.usda.gov, and all the systematic reviews are up there, and the protocols, and a lot of great stuff there. But I want to end with my baby, <laughs> my, my plate. <laughs> so uh, I just want to say, I don't know how many of you are parents, but I suspect we may have a couple of parents in the room and grandparents. Uh, it takes a village to raise a good kid. So I need help with my plate. <laughs> so my plate has been around for over 12 years, and yet a lot of people, most people think that uh, the pyramid is still the federal nutrition symbol. So would love your help in extending the word there. I'm gonna you know, give you a little secret. Do not repeat this. The secret, <laughs> we, we are hoping to do a uh, guerrilla campaign to let folks know that the pyramid is dead. <laughs> Whether we have a funeral or we, I, I don't know what we're gonna do, but we are going to it's gonna get a hit, it's going down, it's going down. <laughs> so, and we're going to, in this place, we're going to tell people about my plate. So anyway, so just, you, you know, shh. You know, it's a little secret. But we're really excited about that because we've got to move folks to understand the symbol. We did recently do some consumer research and we found out that 25% of the population is, is familiar with my plate. Uh, and then when you show the symbol, it goes up to 60%. So if y'all could use a symbol in there, you know, because I guess in my, in my mind, we're all doing amazing work trying to help Americans make healthier food choices. And we do it differently. It's all important work. It all fits together. And I think it gets lost on the consumer, that it's all based on the guidelines. And so just want to encourage everyone selfishly to use MyPlate. So anyway, great stuff at MyPlate.gov. We had a session, we've had a couple sessions here which were uh, exciting. We have some interactive tools, fun things. One of my favorites is uh, we have a quiz, like a Cosmo quiz where you can see where you are in your eating and get some tips and information. So please check out our resources at MyPlate.gov. And just so you know, down with the pyramid. So thank you. <laughs> Thank you.
Okay, you've got us on the edge of our seats to see what the, that, that campaign and strategy looks like. Thanks, Jackie. <laughs> And um, so those were the end of our short but informative overviews. And so I, I don't know about you all, but I still, you know, being relatively new to USDA, I definitely took some notes and I picked up on some things that, you know, even I um, hadn't heard of before. So I really thank my colleagues um, here for, for joining today. So let's see, we have about 35 minutes. So I think what we'll do is go ahead and open the floor if you all have questions. But while you're thinking of a question and maybe coming to the mic and it's percolating, I am gonna kick off this table. I think, do we have a mic over there? I think Ryan, we do. Um, I'm just gonna ask the presenters, um, we'll just start, uh, start you off. But how can um, those around the room or their colleagues, if they want to seek out your advice, your support, um, your technical assistance on a question they might have, how do they do that? So any panelists like to respond? <laughs> oh, me first. All right. Well, I, this is a great opportunity because I forgot to say that we would love your feedback. We really would. And uh, what we're trying to do with my plate is make it more relevant. People see themselves in my plate. And so we would love feedback. I've told the story before, so I won't go through the whole thing. But I got the best advice ever from SNEB, from the team. And so you all deal with and help people every single day, and would love any feedback, jackie.haven at usda.gov. <laughs> and the same for us. I mean, we definitely value your feedback. Um, you're the ones that are out there. We value hearing how it's being used, you know, things that we can improve upon. So, you know, going back to our slide, we have, you know, you can reach us through Twitter. We have our mailbox that you can reach out to us. Um, you can send me an email as well, sheldon.gordon at usda.gov. Um, we definitely would love to hear from you folks. All right. I am just going to add, we have a mailbox as well. If you go to the exhibit hall this afternoon, there's a farm to school fact sheet on the back. At the bottom is the mailbox. We also have our website. Um, and on our website, there is um, contact information for each of our regional um, colleagues who are working in your area. I would suggest that they are the best resource for connecting you to people who are doing this work in your state and your communities. Well, you, you guys saw snap-ed at usda.gov, and also my name, aurora.calvio-buffington at usda.gov. So those are great ways to get a hold of us. By the way, we do have a snap-ed connection booth, so come by. Uh, wanted to just plug um, our MyPlate posters. We have them there, so you make sure you go get some. So similarly, regarding NIFA, if you haven't already, please um, sign up for our NIFA updates. Great information, lots of information, but great information um, about our RFA. Uh, feel free to reach out to me, first name Pascal, last name Jean, J-E-A-N, at USDA.gov. But even if I'm not one of the person that um, is in charge of the program you're interested in, I can connect you with another national program leader or anybody, but mostly do the nutrition programs, but I could definitely connect you all. So I will uh, lift up 
this flyer that is on your table, uh, my email address is on there, but also um, our pages have program contacts as well as our RFAs, so if you want to connect with a program specialist as well as a national program leader for any RFA, there will always be a contact on the la almost the last page to, you can reach out to them. Some of them have email addresses as well as a phone number, and we do answer to our phone numbers and, and respond to messages when we cannot get to you immediately. So please reach out. Dr. Kamen, I was just about to say the same thing, but thank you for, so I'll lift up again our program pages. You can find all the information needed on there. Uh, if you'd like to reach out to me, uh, same as everyone else, my first name, Ryan, last name, Cornegay, which is kind of weird, but it's K-O-R, N-E-G-A-Y at USD.gov. You can always reach me there. Um, and then I also like to lift up, uh, once our RFAs do come out, to please uh, participate in our uh, technical assistance webinars because we will be answering any and every question that you, well, as many questions as we can uh, on those. And you can always submit questions if you have those also. Um, just a, one more shameless plug. Um, one second. Yeah, this, this phone locks a little too quick for me. Um, so I'll, I know it by heart now. So if you ever want to learn more about the GUSNIP program, we do have a GUSNIP mailbox. And so if you will go to sm.fn.gusnip, that's G-U-S-N-I-P, at usda.gov, that is a shared mailbox between us at NIFA as well as our FNS colleagues. And so one of us will answer your question uh, between however many people there are on that email box. And so again, that's sm dot fn dot gusnip at usda.gov and you can reach any of us at gusnip thank you i don't think my staff knew they were going to be quizzed on on spelling out email addresses for you today <laughs> no that's great um, there's a few other nifa staff in the room too if you just want to wave your hands too, just alerting yes uh, brianna's taking pictures beth so we do have a few other staff as well um, so thank you guys okay i don't see anybody coming to the mic do we have a question yet? From, oh, good. Great. Thank you for being the first. Hi. Um, my name is Lucy Langley. I'm a student at the University of Tennessee, Knoxville. Um, and I had a couple questions about the food loss and food waste kind of prevention efforts. Um, a lot of food waste and uh, kind of uh, wastage kind of happens before it happens to the consumer. So um, there's a lot of waste that happens at like post-harvest losses. Um, and there's like a lot of kind of besides it happening before the consumer, there's a lot of issues like at the consumer perception of like what produce kind of looks like, but more specifically, I'm getting a little uh, tangential. Um, I'm curious about what that looks like if a lot of waste happens before the consumer, um, even like sees the produce. So like grocery level, um, distribution, um, and what that also kind of looks like for like a farmer um, and like I don't know, stuff like that. <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you for that question. So um, USDA in general has a web page that you can go into and look at the food loss and waste data and that has been collected up over the years. And that's why this is becoming uh, a huge focus for USDA and why um, NIFA is prioritizing uh, the food loss and waste. So in terms of how we are looking at food loss and waste, it's food losses before it gets to the consumer, like you said, and then the waste is, you know, once it's to the consumer. And, you know, consumers can be of, at different tiers, right? So even 
at the grocery level or at the school level and, and then to your household. Th those are different you know, stages at which we can see that happening. And so we need a lot, lot more data and we also need interventions, right? So this particular program that is stood up is 1.5 million for a center that will provide, okay, let me read it out for those who don't have it. it we are going to be funding a center for research. So we do need some research, a little more diving into all these aspects. And then um, behavioral economics. So we know that, you know, how, how do people really change uh, how habits around food loss and waste, whether it's from the consumer level or from the production level, right? Farmers and all. And then the, we ha also need the extension on uh, extension aspects of food loss. How do you communicate that? How do we um, bring more awareness to the issues? Um, so this, th there's a, a whole lot of host of things that we have put in in terms of what we would like the issues to be looked into by this center, one of which you have, uh, you know, you know, uh, talked about, Acc uh, as, uh, assess the interrelationship between food loss, food and nutrition security, healthy food programs, practices, environmental impacts, as well as the production side of it. So it's a huge job. <laughs> and we hope from this program we will learn more and probably start now thinking about where the gaps are and what, we, you know, what could be funded. And not just USDA, this report could help other you know, EPA is looking at this. Uh, other agencies could use that data to I mean, even move internationally, forward. like, it's really important that we address uh, food production because a lot of our resources globally are dedicated to uh, feeding the world and uh, exporting and importing uh, food. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. It could help, uh, you know, get to know where the gaps are and what, what next steps would, would look like. Yeah. Thank you. That's a great question. Anyone else wants to contribute to that? Great question. And I just want to tell you that at NIFA, um, we do have from our climate team, climate, bioenergy, you know, from biochar to our food safety team to plant and animal production, we've got everybody. We've got an internal team really looking into this. So thank you for that wonderful question. Other questions? Yes, please come forward. Thanks for a great presentation, Joanne Burke, uh, New Hampshire Hunger Solutions. Uh, just a quick qu technical question. I realized the thrifty plan was reviewed, but my understanding was that historically, when they calculate the money given, that was only anticipating a 5% food loss at the household level. And we know that it's higher. So. I'm all for trying to get, reduce it, but it seems an unrealistic number. Is there a move to enhance that number? Thanks. Very astute question. Uh, yes, yeah, so we, the team, not me, <laughs> looked at a lot of factors and, and spe you know, food loss was a, an important one, and so 5% was a conservative estimate by any stretch of the imagination. And so for the next revision, we are looking more closely at that. And so it's one of the many components that comprise the development of the Thrifty, and so, but we are definitely taking a look at that for the next version of it. So that's, it, it's going to be revised every, every five. five years by so Congress. So for now, it's still at the five. Exactly. For now, it's, it's at the five, and then the next revision, uh, five years from 
last year. Go for it. Well, yeah. <laughs> and you know, again, we, 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 the team gave a lot of consideration to that and, uh, you know, did recognize that that is low. And, uh, you know, again, there were many factors. It wasn't just one factor, that was one. And so, uh, as you know, there was a historic increase in right. the benefits. So, yeah, Thank that's you. all I'll say about that. Thank you. <laughs> Any other questions from the audience? Yes. I always have questions. Um, I'm Adrienne Markworth from Leah's Pantry. I have a question for you, Aurora. I'm so excited you guys have a team at the national level now. Can you tell me, and I know you guys have been so busy with end pairs and all that stuff this year, but like looking forward, like the next three or four years, what do you see as like the biggest impact that having a national branch will have on, you know, the future of the program. Just nothing super specific. Just want to hear your It's your so vision. funny because she's right here, I feel like. I know, it's really awkward. But this is for us all, right? <laughs> Thank you for asking that question. That's a good one. Um, and I think one of the nice things about having our team is um, the dedication to SnapEd, uh, not having it, you know, as part of another branch. Um, and if you didn't know, um, the, even the division where I'm assigned to got renamed. So now it's uh, Program Administration and Nutrition Division because nutrition is important. So uh, we have more resources now to be able to address food and nutrition security. Um, I, th I really envision that we will be able to increase our collaborations and partnerships and I, because that's really, I think, where the work is happening um, and where we can make the most impact is by really stretching out and um, making stronger connections with our communities and our partners. So I envision that that's what we'll be doing. Um, we'll also be fine-tuning our NPAIRs, you know, really focusing on that impact um, data hopefully collecting higher quality data, being able to aggregate it, and being able to um, better report out the SNAP-Ed's impact. So I envision um, our branch will be able to like, help move those programs forward. And you know we should be finding some more work um, as a result of the equity project being completed. We'll be getting some recommendations on that. So hopefully we'll be able to implement some of those recommendations as well in the next three to four years. Um, so yeah, those are just a little, a little bit of what I envision. I don't want to, I don't want to start going off because, you know, <laughs> then everybody's going to be like, you need to do that and that. You said you were going to do it, but for sure we are doing those things. So thanks for asking that. Okay. Well, recently many of us, or are there more questions? Okay, because I can start asking. Come on up. Yes. Your questions first, for sure. Excellent presentations. Thank you so much. I'm the Lorene Ritchie from the Nutrition Policy Institute at the University of California and a Cooperative Extension Specialist. Go see. Um, my question has to do with food waste and school meals. We are doing an AFRI-funded project to try to encourage children to eat those wonderfully improved healthy school meals and not waste so much, which you guys all know it's an enormous amount. We've been doing plate waste the last 40 days and well before summer. And it's a lot of food that ends up in the trash. 
Um, so we've been looking at the SNAP-Ed Toolkit and other resources on team nutrition for curricula that focus on young kids and teaching them about the importance of school meals vis-a-vis -vis reducing food waste and helping the planet, and we're not finding a lot. So I'm hoping one of you can point me in the right direction. Yes, so um, on our team nutrition website, I mean, they, most of our efforts are more on the preventive side, so we don't have a whole lot of things on waste. So our things are a lot of things like test tasting and things like that ahead of time so that before those meals are actually offered on the school line, school, the students have already had an opportunity to try to test them and, and taste them and understand. So it's not like a new foreign concept to them when they see that new food item. Um, so a lot of, again, a lot of our efforts are more towards, you know, again, trying to show you how to do taste tests, how to be uh, more creative with marketing of your food. So, you know, especially for elementary kids, you know, trying to find those creative names for those food, for those recipes, um, you know, adding those adjectives in front of it somehow, the magical carrots and the blah, blah, blahs, you know, sometimes that just makes the kids go like, oh my gosh, I want to try it now because it has magical powers or whatever it is. So that's kind of where you'll see a lot of our materials on our website. So if you go to teamnutrition.usda.gov, um, you can see it there. And if you don't, uh, reach out to me again, sheldon.gordon at usda.gov, and I can try to walk you through it. I will just add, um I'm, I'm sure you're looking, I lost the ask, okay. I'm sure you're looking at policies and practices. I think, to Sheldon's point, we work a lot in, in trying to prevent waste through the, thing, the various activities. Offer versus serve is a really important piece of that, and I think um, that can be helpful as well. Hi, I'm Pam Cook from Teachers College, Columbia University in New York City. And just want to reiterate, I've done a lot with school meals too, seen a lot of waste and seen how when kids get to cook it and try it before, it really does seem to be something that works. My question is, I, I loved all of your presentations and I love all of you here together. Um, and I'm just curious like more about how we can see more interrelationships between agriculture and what we're producing, therefore what ends up in the food supply, um, and the equity and justice piece, and education. So more of like how all of you maybe strategically are working behind the scenes, in front of the scenes, to bring that all together. Thank you. I'll just jump in and say partnerships to, to add on to what was our, already said earlier. Partnerships is a really big piece of that. Um, and we try to model that at USDA and work together uh, on where the places our programs overlap. And I think Farm to School is, is a really good example of having a little, our, our toe in everybody's sandbox. Um, it's a great opportunity for, for communities to kind of rally around this multifaceted aspect of our food system. Um, and so we try to model that, we try to promote that um, with our USDA partners, our uh, stakeholder organizations out in communities, and, and also encourage the local organizations that we're working with to, to partner with people in their communities so they don't feel like they're alone, and they are also um, connected to people who have a, just a slightly different piece of the pie um, to, to have this beautiful picture. Just wanted to also add, we also have um, interagency agreements between the federal agencies, so we're constantly meeting, um, trying to learn from each other best practices, and to Julie's point, 
looking at what resources they have and how we can better collaborate in our resources. Um, as Brian mentioned, a lot of the resources that we use are some of the resources that Jackie Haven um, used. So a lot of our grantees, we like, look, this exists. Use this as part of your um, resources to do your, your research and you know, figure out what's going on within your com um, community. So definitely, um, a lot of the work is happening, like you said, really behind the background. And sometimes we kind of you know, share the logo, kind of put it out there together, but it's happening. Maybe um, definitely moving forward to where we are, there's more collaboration. Did you want to add something? And I just want to quickly share, because uh, as you were talking, I, I, to go back to the FASTLA program, I know I'm talking about Gusna, but um, one of the things that we've seen working with some more, more community-based programs is that uh, we need to find ways to better support community-based organizations that are trying to apply for these programs. They have a lot of a more diversified thought process and way of approaching these issues, uh, but they don't also they don't always have the resources to apply for our programs and to be able to manage it. And so that's one of the things we've been doing at NIF is trying to figure out how can we support them a little bit more and provide the resources that they can, that they need to be able to apply for some of our programs so they can continue to be doing that boots on the ground type work that they're doing uh, so that they can tackle it from equi from an equity lens, from a lens of being able to really connect with the community. Uh, and so that's been one of those things is really trying to figure out how we can better engage those nonprofits, community-based organizations um, that might not have a, a, a sponsored programs office or something like that to be able to assist them uh, to make sure that they can manage the federal program and be able to continue to do the great work that they're doing. Yeah, you got a loaded question here. <laughs> um, I'm just going to say, just to kind of add on to that, again, with our Healthy Meals initiative, I think this is one of the things for us which we are taking a different approach to because we really wanted the school food authorities to try to work within their communities as well as with these the, the food processors. That's kind of something we haven't done in the past, and so we're really trying to help bridge that gap and see what tools and resources come out of that to see how we can then further educate folks on building these connections. And I want to bring it home, like um, where it's happening in the community. Um, I heard today from, um, from South Carolina, they are doing food policy council work. Um, and those local food policy councils, as well as your state, are connecting the dots when it comes to food systems. So um, even in SNAP-Ed, we're seeing this work besides supporting community gardens. Um, maybe urban farms and other things um, in one way or another. You know, we're not building them, but we're out there, you know, partnering. So, uh, yeah. And I'll, I'll lift up one more thing, too. We, as an agency, are looking more at traditional knowledge. I think that was mentioned earlier. And so we have a lot to learn from cultures that have been um, using, you know, the whole animal, the whole plant. Um, for many years, um, and how do we incorporate that and lift up that science and that knowledge? And so just acknowledging that many of us are, are talking about that, you're seeing that in more of our, our RFAs, requests for applications. And just one more plug to um, another one, there, we are listening. Um, environmental justice is a topic that's coming out of NIFA for funding um, opportunities. So. We are listening and we're working together with our ag colleagues and our climate colleagues as well. So thank you. Hello, my name is Hyunjun Kim from University of Minnesota Extension. And I am a, a researcher, an evaluator, and a data nerd. As a data nerd, I want to um, have all the data you have and also 
um, <laughs> analyze the data at the same time because it's a collaborative work and the, the, the nutrition security is, yeah, we cannot, we cannot only look at the SNAP ad or WIG or FNAP. I want to look at everything all together and analyze it all together if possible. Because you, yeah, I'm so glad that you are all in the same table and uh, talk to each other. Um, so I want to have the data sharing between you, you all and also have access to that. And also, I am a uh, GIS mapper, so I, I love GIS mappings to data visualization. So um, as, a, as a local uh, person, I want to I want to see where my, my what WIG office is and where uh, our SNAPAD program is happening and where our FNAP pro program is happening at the same time. So um, that might be really interesting if we can um, build a national map or uh, local maps that allows people to find those resources in one spot. Well, I love research and data as well. So um, I want to encourage you to check out the USDA Open Data Catalog. It has a lot of data on there, so a lot of information. And there has been some limited visualization done as well. Um, so pretty neat, neat tools for you. And I will just say, in the spirit of the snail's pace that was mentioned earlier, we are working on this, although it's still um, a bit compartmentalized, but there are some mapping and uh, data uh, visualization tools that are under development now. And one of them includes a child nutrition um, visualization tool um, that is really exciting and powerful, but it's not quite available for everyone yet, but it's on its way. I know there's one on local food economics that's, I'm, I'm unclear where it is in the process too, but I do think that there are, USDA is coming up with mapping tools in various mission areas. What the kind of next step down the road will be is pulling all those together so you can see everything. And, and I think we're still several years out from that. Um, there may be a new tool by the time we get ours launched, but know that we are also very excited about the power of that data and, and looking at it and sharing it with you all. So hang in there, it's there. <laughs> I know we just finished talking about how we collaborate and then we're just seeing how the different website exists. So <laughs> we, we get in there. So in NIFA, we also have the data gateway. If you wanna have a nerd fest, go in there. There's a lot of data. And we're constantly updating, adding some of the new GUSNIP data, adding some of the new information as we release reports and things like that. We're just a couple years behind at getting things forward, but um, it's unfortunately it's not in one um, one website. But there are areas where you can find a lot of our data and just have fun. Um, and I'll pass it to Jackie. So that was a lot of great information, so I'm not sure, but I just get, have to do a shameless plug for a tool that we've developed, Shop Simple with MyPlane, and actually we have pulled in the GUSNIP program and where you can, uh, where, so you put your zip code in this tool and you can find where uh, brick and mortar stores are for, for to receive EBT. You can find where the GUSNIP programs, farmer's market programs. So we've tried to pull in data. We'd love to include WIC and other data as well. And uh, anyway, just, just shameless plug, shop simple with my plate. <laughs> And many of our agencies are developing dashboards as well. NIFA just came out with two new dashboards. So 
another plug, sign up for our newsletter. It was just featured in that latest newsletter if you didn't get it, so more access to data um, as well. So thank you. Thank you all so much for um, kind of coming and presenting all the different programs. It's really exciting. Uh, this is kind of a logistical question. So I remember there used to be like the 10 uh, t you know, tips for whatever, and it was uh, for the MyPlate, and it was a great educational tool, and it was in a bunch of different languages, which was so nice because it's so hard to find nutrition ed um, that's in different languages. I can't find it anywhere anymore. <laughs> and I also, um, I, I can only find like online the, the English versions, but not the, any other language versions. So I know MyPlate itself was translated into different languages, but the tips, sheets, and any other like educational materials that, was on, that were there, I can't find anywhere. I don't know if you could share. Sure, that's great. And I know Jill Mandelson is a branch chief over all that wonderful stuff. So we did, we, the 10 tips were very popular and then we decided to change them to <laughs> the three tips and make them more uh, visual and that type of thing. And we are working on translation, so more to come on that. In many, as you said, the MyPlate itself is translated. And besides language translations, what we're really excited about working on is cultural translations because it's, that's, we're really excited about that because uh, you know we had this experience where we translated some of our tip sheets, and one of them was Taco Tuesday. You know, and in different languages, not everyone really <laughs> gets excited about Taco Tuesday. So we really want to take a look at what we're doing, and this is one of the things that we're committed to as far as my plate. So just continue to please check the website and under resources uh, for educators. I don't know, Joe, if I'm missing anything, but uh, appreciate the comment, and we are we're we're working on it. We know how. We believe it's important to supply the materials for you, so appreciate that feedback. Okay. Well, quick, um, I know that a lot of us came from um, where you all are sitting um, before we got our jobs here at USDA. So if we could just have our, a few of our panelists share um, if some in the room are looking at how they could explore job opportunities at USDA. Um, do you have any openings? <laughs> but how do they go about, about doing that um, if they're interested? I am so excited. I did not know this question was coming. But as I was sitting here earlier today and thinking about all the people in the room, I was like, this is like a beautiful map of my life story. So here we go. I found my passion for nutrition in high school as part of a 4-H, somewhat predecessor to healthy habits activities. I went out and taught grade schoolers about nutrition. Um, I studied nutrition in college, and my first job was a WIC nutritionist. Um, and taught moms about how to feed their kids. Um, and, you know, in some of those conversations, it was clear that food access was a critical barrier. And so I got engaged in food advocacy and had a community food projects grant where we started um, a community-supported agriculture farm in our community and also did a lot of outreach and, and education for folks. And I moved into the advocacy space, including uh, state-level and national-level advocacy, and then I moved over to USDA um, almost 20 years ago. And so I hope a little bit of my story is part of your story as well, is where you just see this kind of work um, the you know layers peel back and you see like your next potential impact 
And um, I feel like I've come full circle because now I'm doing farm to school and I was building school gardens in the 90s when they were just starting to get exciting again. Um, and this feels full circle to me and it's, I, I'm just so excited to be here with all of you and know that you, I've, I've had the similar perspectives and, and experiences that you all are, are um, leading through today. Yeah, I love talking about myself like this, but I'm not going to go into a big one. <laughs> so um, I, uh, this was my second career. My first career was uh, military. I was Air Force for 10 years, and I was a mechanic. So I was far, far away from being a nutritionist. Um, I used my GI Bill, went to school, um, loved school, kept going to school. Um, Throughout that, I worked at a local public health department, which was very large, serving 2.4 million people in Southern Nevada. And um, we worked on um, access to healthy food. So we, we shifted from providing typical um, health education and nutrition education to uh, working on um, the environmental, um, you know, making that uh, healthy choice the easy choice. So healthy vending, you know, all that stuff. Um, and then after working there, I wanted to pursue a PhD and I went to work for Extension. So I worked for Extension for several years and um, also in health and nutrition. So I, I can relate to anybody here that works in Extension, what a beautiful job it is. It is, it's a wonderful thing. And um, then just happened upon um, going to USA Jobs. So make sure you check out USA Jobs if you have any interest in any federal positions. Um, and plug in things like food, nutrition, um, search terms, or the search terms that you're super interested in, uh, and see what pops up. This job popped up, and it was like perfect timing. So, uh, you know, get your resume ready, um, work on, all, on your package, have it ready because a position could pop up, you know, tomorrow, and it wasn't there today. And those applications fill up quickly, especially for telework type jobs. Um, so you want to be ready when it when it happens. So that's how I did it. Thank you. It's so funny we have common story here. I too study as a weight nutritionist, um, um, but you know I grew up in a beautiful island of Haiti. So growing up in the Caribbean, my grandmother instilled the love for me to just give back and service. So I always knew I wanted to work in the community. Always loved that. So as I pursued my career, my north start was to impact more. So as a WIC nutritionist, I was like, this is good. I'm working with my group, but I want to do more, I do more. So I pursued my master's and PhD in public health. And my goal was always to move to DC and work for either CDC, FDA, USDA. One of them got to hire me because I want to be at the policy level and be impactful. So NIFA snatched me. I left my sunny, hot Miami, Florida and moved here in December. And it was cold. It was white stuff coming out the sky. I was like, what is happening? But I adjusted, and I love every aspect of it, because you just learn to not only work for the federal um, government, but also the policy aspect of it, working with different groups. I've had the pleasure of working for NIFA, then FNS, then NIFA again. It's just, we just kind of rotate within each other, but it's been a great opportunity. And similar to what Aurora mentioned, USA, that, uh, that job, uh, the beauty of it that they updated, like you can upload all your documents now. And as soon as the job comes, you just press submit. All your documents are there, so um, just work on it, make sure it's appropriate, make sure it's good, and you are the expert on everything. 
when you apply so you can make the cert. You are women, we are the expert in everything, so please submit your application properly. But um, yes, um, federal can be challenging. This job is challenging, but it's so rewarding. Um, we were talking to um, a couple coworkers earlier. We in the background doing all the works, but when we come to this, we see our um, speaker presenting, our grantee presenting, we get to see pictures, we get to see the work, the impact of it, so that's the beauty of it. So I always think about the work that I do and how my grandmother installed giving back to the community and get the opportunity to do it in different ways. Wow, beautiful stories. Um, do we have the time? Yeah, maybe quickly. Very quickly, okay. So um, that accent is Kenyan, I'm a Kenyan American. I uh, started my career as a high school teacher. I did home economics. Came to the US and studied uh, nutrition, did my master's and my PhD in human nutrition and uh, worked for extension for almost uh, for eight years. Loved the job. I, I not only worked with the extension, but also worked in some of those community-based uh, with those community-based organizations. And so one of the programs that I lead now, the Community Food Projects at, at NIFA, really is close to my heart, because I, I know the work that's on the ground. So, um, and then uh, about two and a half years ago, moved to NIFA, and um, yeah, and some of my colleagues are here, so yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, worked for Extension, the University of Missouri Extension specifically. And, and, but for the, all, all the, the work that we, um, you all do in Extension, it's really needed and contributes a lot to uh, the goal of nutrition security in communities and families. So thank you so much. So I'll try to keep this brief, but my story's a little crazy or wonky. I had no interest in agriculture whatsoever. I grew up in a very rural North Florida. My grandmother had us raising chickens, so I was not trying to go to school for that. But I went, my background is really in food science. I went to Florida a University uh, where I was an undergrad. My former nutrition professor is actually right here in the room and she got me interested in nutrition. Um, I was an 1890 scholar. I actually started working for NIFA 11 years ago this July. Um, and so I interned with them throughout undergrad, then went to grad school, interned uh, and had my assistantship and then finally came over full time. Uh, so I've seen this role from program specialists literally from the bottom to the top. Uh, so I've been able to work with these programs for a while and this really, really connected to me because I didn't realize that I grew up in a food desert until I started studying nutrition and food science. And that's really my passion, trying to figure out how we can connect specifically rural communities, but all communities uh, to have the resources and the uh, things that they need to make sure that they can thrive. So. I love the work I do at USDA, specifically NIFA and in the Institute of Food Safety and Nutrition. I shameless plug, if you know any undergrad students or students who are getting ready to go uh, from high school, tell them to apply for the USDA 1890 Scholars Program if they're going to an 1890 institution. If not, tell them to apply for the Pathways Program so they can get an internship experience because I promise you having that experience on their resume is going to look really good for them, but also it's going to give them the experience that they need to know is this work that I want to do, number one, and two, this is going to be the work that's going to help them to get into the roles they want to get into. So look on, uh, they want to, you want to do that in the fall because they will be gone by the fall. Once the fall is over, they will be gone. Uh, so make sure they apply by the fall. And as far as careers, I'm pretty sure I just saw an opening for some program specialist roles at NIFA, so please go on USA Jobs. Uh, and if you don't want that role, go ahead and have your resume ready and everything else. And once the role opens, uh, apply for it. 
guess I'll say something really quick. So I'm kind of have bits and parts of everybody. So I, I actually participated in the 1890 Scholar Program as an intern. I didn't get the whole scholarship. But that did open my eyes to USDA. Prior to that, I was a, actually a, a electrical engineer major. <laughs> had no interest in food, but always was interested in food in terms of like what it meant for me. And when I saw that in our catalog, when engineering wasn't working out for me, um, <laughs> I realized it opened the eyes, and I, once I came over, I mean, everything just worked out for me. It's been a great experience ever since. And so just like you know, everybody said, go to USA Jobs. Um, you know, the one key thing I will say that we always, people don't pay attention to, look at the job description and make sure that your resume aligns with that. <laughs> so it's one thing to apply, but make sure that you're applying for the job and you're using the keywords that actually match what's in that description. Thank you all so much. This has just been a fantastic time with all of you. And I would be remiss without a shout out to Dr. Sheila Fleischacker. She actually organized this. Um, and yeah. She's at ASN representing us at like four sessions. So she uh, wishes she could be here as well. So if you still need to visit with us, come find us, okay? So, but other than that, um, thank you for coming and safe travels home.